welcome back to On That Note Podcast. I'm Brandon. And I am Calvin. Welcome back to On That Note Podcast, everyone. Woo! Another another week, another episode. Yes, yes, another, that's another right. Another couple of weeks. But. <laughs> <laughs> you all asked, we provided. Um, okay. So we're back at it. Yes, like we like never you. left. um but yeah let's just get right into it yes so while you were sleeping um do you do you want to kick us off i do i do so i actually want to speak about the artist raven lanae um i don't know how you familiar have you heard her name before i haven't Good, because I like when I can put people onto new music. <laughs> so Raven Lanay, um, I want to say she's like from Chicago or somewhere like that. Um, still a young artist, like in her early twenties. Makes like R&B music, but like in that kind of um, pretty much. Here it goes. She had a song on the Insecure soundtrack. That like gotcha. what type of yeah. music you made, yes. right? Um, yes. <laughs> So yeah, but she um so she actually has um two projects that I really enjoy. One was the EP she released back in like 2015. I think she was on like high school at the time. Um and it's called Moon Shoes EP. Okay. She has a song on there called Right of Spring. It's like one of the dopest, like just funkiest little songs. Like, I don't know, it's just something that I feel like upon first listen, that's a song that you can't help but to like really kind of like. Okay. Um, and then she had this song. Um, then she released an EP at the beginning of 2018, I want to say, called uh, Crush. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that EP, she worked a lot with Steve Lacey, who's like, I'm pretty sure is like from not like in the Our Future Collective, or maybe he's a part of the internet. I didn't really look into that piece, but I, I think he might have been in the internet, or he's a part of the internet. Right. Um, the group. Then. Yeah. yeah. The group. <laughs> <laughs> Not just floating out in space right. on the World Wide Web. But, um, but on that EP, she has a song called Sticky. Um, and Sticky is... On the is on one of the insecure soundtracks. Um, I think my I guess that would have been season three. So yes, yeah, on the season three soundtrack. So um, and when you hear the song, it's a song that you've probably heard before. Uh, but then it's like, oh okay, like let me pay more attention to it. Like she just does like really funky kind of cool. She does like this really kind of good new kind of funk sort of. R&B. I don't know. I really like it. Yeah. So check her out. Raven Lanay. R-A-V-Y-N uh, space L-E-N-A-E. And that's the Moon Shoes EP and the Crush EP. Okay. Boom. So I gave y'all a little, a lot of something. So what you got <laughs> for us this week with the While You Were Sleeping? So I, I'm doing something a little bit different. Um, I have I guess a little bit of trivia. That's like why you were sleeping trivia. Oh, get out of here. So this came from um, a tweet. (laughs) This came from a tweet that was like, I guess it went around like virally or whatever. Um, But so the tweet was, uh, it said, Yolanda Adams opened up my heart 
is the anytime any place of gospel music or something like that something real ignorant like that right <laughs> so <laughs> i saw that so <laughs> i was in my i think i was just like in my room on twitter and i saw that um and i was of course it was funny and i was like laughing and i was like y'all are crazy and I went to listen to Open Up My Heart because we used to sing it like in the gospel choir way back in the day, but it had been a while since I listened to the track. So I went to play the track and I was like, wait, wait, a, wait a minute. Like this dude is on to something. So I Google Open Up My Heart by Yolanda Adams. I Google Anytime, Anyplace by Janet Jackson, both produced by Jamie Terriers. Like, <laughs> wait, you just found that out when you did that research? Yes, I didn't know Jimmy. How would I know that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis produced Open Up My Heart by You? Like, how would I know that? You okay. know what I'm saying? Okay, you're right. I have to remember that. <laughs> but you know, the funny thing about that is, I don't even. I don't even remember how I learned that. It might have been because it was such a big song at the time. Yeah. I remembered like either looking at the line of notes for it or something like that. Um, Or they just were making the, like kind of talking about how Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, because the song was such a crossover song anyway. Yes, it was. And it's like, okay, sis ain't working with the standard, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> they do this way, okay? Yeah. And when, like, when you listen, if you go back and listen to those tracks back to back, you can tell because Open Up My Heart was released in 97, Anytime, Anyplace is like 93, I want to say maybe. Yes. Um, and so. Open up my heart literally sounds like a B side to anytime any like the way that both songs are produced, the way they open up, like uh-huh. and the, yeah. It's just like they must have been that song must have been in mind when they produced Open Up My Heart. Because very like you could put different lyrics on that and it would be a completely different song. Right. So, <laughs> right. I mean, like, yeah. if you really remove the references to God, right. or like, to the fact that, like, that it's Yolanda Adams, so we know she's talking about her, you right. know, her man. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, she's talking about the man, okay? Right. Um, or, never mind. You get what I'm saying? Because um, it could be dope one man. Amen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's funny. You know what? That almost <laughs> that reminds me of you and LaFace. Yeah, you know. You know that's gonna be a reoccurring thing like for the for the rest. But of I am willing to bet that there are a fair amount of people that did not know that little piece of trivia. You're right. You're right. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but um but no, that's I'm going to have to go, because I, I did see that tweet. Right. But I just was like, okay, Black folks is wild. It just right. kept on moving. But now I'm going to go back and listen to, like, both yeah. of those songs, one right after the other, um, since you verified it pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And I thought that there were probably a good amount of people that didn't know that, especially considering that it is Yolanda Adams' track. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, like Jimmy Jam and Taylor just aren't necessarily known for their gospel hits. So, 
Listen, okay? Yeah. But hits, they've got them, and they've got plenty. Yes. This might be a good way to yep. set play on this to gossip, folks. Go ahead. So, you know, speaking of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, they were recently honored at this year's Soul Train Awards, mm-hmm. hosted by our favorite girlfriends, Tashina Arnold yes. and, and Gina. Okay. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> hosted by Pam and Gina. Um, and right. I know we're going to get back to that in a second. Okay. But um, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, you know, got, got a tribute. They did. Um, they they got a tribute. I don't yeah. know if it was a good one, right. um, but just in thinking about how influential they've been in music and how many people's careers they either launched or breathed new life into, yeah. I just because Yolanda Adams was at the Soul Train Awards, yeah, yeah. and I remember thinking so. I was sitting there, I was like, please tell me that Yolanda Adams is going to be a part of this tribute. Because, (laughs) you know, if one thing mama can do is stand flat-footed and sing, we ain't never been concerned about Yolanda Adams showing up vocally. So, as I saw, like, everybody else struggle through their set, (laughs) I was just like, please tell me Yolanda is going to get up there and give us, open up my heart. Or open my heart for the one time, for the one time. But I think she performed... Did she perform a piece of that during her set, though? I think so. Because I think she got an award to yeah, her she did. as well. Right. But, but yeah, no, so what... What was interesting about the tribute was... You know, I understand, I guess, the thought to... um, Like, I guess put to the forefront their contemporaries, you know? So you have, like, this the Saturday Love and, like, all that other stuff. But, you know, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis produced Bad Girl by Usher. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have decades exactly. and decades and decades of music they could have pulled from. And, like, there were some tracks that they used that I was like, okay, that makes so much sense. And I know that Janet's on tour right now, but, like... Is there no reference? Like she, like they were her sound for Literally. such a long time. So I just really didn't understand why there wasn't more, not only contemporary, but like some of their quintessential artists, you know, not even necessarily having to be there, but just being showcased in the tribute, you know? Absolutely. That would be like doing a Timberland tribute and Missy Nowhere in Sight. Right. Right. Like, what, the, what do you mean? Like, yeah. it's, certain, it's certain artists that just got to be a part yeah. if you're going to do a tribute because they've worked so closely. So I agree with you on that Janet thing. And I feel as though if Soul Train would have, and maybe they did behind the scenes, who knows? But like, I just feel like if somebody was really on it, they would have asked Janet Jackson like last year to pencil this in. Yeah. Because you can't, you cannot tribute those men without Janet. Like yeah. that just feels crazy. It does. Um, or well, she could have, you know, telecast it in the same way that they do. They've done other things, you know. Okay. Like, and she got the range. She can't. Right. I was about to say, I know she's performing Control on that tour at some point. So she just get a little something. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I and that that is a very good point because I was sitting there, I was like, well, I mean, like, I love the SOS band just as much as the next person, right? Um, but like, why is everything from like '85 and yeah, earlier, right? Um, yeah, I didn't get that. Yeah. Alexander O'Neill, thoughts and prayers, <laughs> um, just. 
Oh, good lord. I was Sherelle, she looked like somebody old ass auntie and <laughs> just girl, go ahead and get on the mic, girl. Go ahead, Sherelle. Give yeah. them a little piece. Yeah. Um Morris Day was the only one in that tribute that was not out of line and out of pocket. Right. He actually did what he came to do. He did the, he did a good job. Yeah. But yeah, I was none to impressed because again, they just deserve more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were talking about Pam and Gina. Yes. And <laughs> the one thing that I did want to talk about with them was their opening. So nice. they had a great opening. You know, it was like fun and very much them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that I found interesting, so they had MJ Rodriguez in their opening, which I thought was great, especially considering the fact that so many of the folks from Pose were kind of shunned at the BET Awards. Yeah. And none of them were really there or showcased in a very real way. Um, but then I found out that Tisha Campbell had to fight, like literally fight tooth and nail to get them to allow MJ Rodriguez to be in the opening, which is insane to me. But, you know, like I was ready to give Viacom or whoever it is a little bit of credit and then I realized oh they didn't want to do this in the first place you know like it's just it really blows my mind how um, how kind of backwards things still are um, and even something like cause like she maybe she had a line or two but she was just up there dancing being beautiful and you know what I'm saying like doing it up for the girls like what exactly. is like what is that that was you know? it. And I'm sorry, Soul Train Awards, but I mean, <laughs> y'all are struggling enough with visibility for your own show. Right. Okay. So the last thing you need to be doing is trying to like get in the way of somebody else, uh, like a whole other community that, and it's not even a whole other community because it's just an intersection it's, with blackness. Right. Like, with, I, I don't yeah. know. Like I, I've just people will continue to be willfully obtuse about issues of the day yeah. and identities, and you know, just not seeming to understand that even if you do not share that identity, you can still be respectful of, inclusive of. Right. And guess what? The world will not spontaneously combust if you like <laughs> exactly. It just won't, and I don't know. It's just it's just really concerning that there are still battles like that that have to happen. Like, why would you not? And this is where I don't know. I, I just I can't even understand. If you're not even that people people's inability to see a good just even PR opportunity. Right. I don't reduce it down to this, but it's like y'all are now making and and this is why people always say that this isn't about diversity, like so impact and support the bottom line. Pose there is there are fewer shows that have the the name recognition right. that a pose has like right. these days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um 
And with so, MJ, you know, like she's in Broadway shows. Like she is a cover girl. Like she's exactly. out here. You know what I'm saying? Like she doesn't need to be um, voiceless in a award show intro for the Soul Train Awards. Right. And that's not me demeaning or devaluing the Soul Train Awards, but it's just like there is a way to do this so that everybody can win. And right. the fact that people are putting their personal views about things seemingly before just even decisions that make business sense is just is stupid to me right um, right i mean and like y'all didn't learn nothing from bet and that whole snafu with um uh b scott a couple of years ago right exactly no clearly not <clears throat> but um but yeah she was gorgeous <laughs> but some you, other things oh what's up yeah. so about the intro, and yeah. I didn't watch the whole award show, so I don't know if this was ever like brought up at a certain point. But I did appreciate that they were tributing like the Rhythm Nation album. Yeah. Um, because I was like, for that to have been like that is a huge project. Yeah. And that album turns thirty this year, so right. I feel like that's that, why. Yeah. yeah, I was just like, but I feel like I haven't really on anything else. I haven't really, this whole year, I haven't really heard anything or seen anything about like Rhythm Nation 30 or right. something like that. So. And if you're talking about Rhythm Nation and like what that album represents, no one else but someone like an MJ Rodriguez needs to be on that stage. You know what I'm saying? Because if you think about what, you know, like people of the world today, Come are on. you looking for a better way <laughs> of li- okay. like, Okay. okay. Don't give them okay. too much. Don't give them too much. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> but so kind of to transition into a different conversation, but still kind of staying on the Soul Train Awards for a little while, because we wanted to have a conversation about um, some folks, some of our some of our people <sighs> that maybe feel like they have been slighted or um, are being mistreated. So, um, starting with the Soul Train Awards and Ari Lennox. So, from what I gather of this situation, (laughs) Ari and her album, Shea Butter Baby, was nominated, um, or they were nominated in a few categories on Soul Train Awards, but most prominently was what R&B Soul Album of the Year? Is that was that the the title, the Soul Album of the Year? Or? Uh, uh, it was just Album Mixtape of the Year. Oh, Album Mixtape of the Year, but like at the Soul Train Award. So I guess the yeah. implication would be, you know, Soul. Soul, yeah. Right. Um. So <laughs> it ends up because she didn't get anything that night, did she? Mm-mm. Yeah. No. And so, you know, she was pretty upset about that. And I think, you know, now she's feeling a little bit better, especially since she has, you know, some Grammy noms, which we will get to in a second. But, you know, I kind of in real time, I was watching her tweet kind of these like she went on a a little bit of like a a Trump rampage (laughs) about like being really upset about not winning and like. She was like, fuck it, I'm just going to join the army and, like, I'm not going to do this music shit anymore. Like, this shit is whatever. Um, And talking about, like, maybe some of the folks that did win. So I will say 
that Lizzo won in the best album category at the Soul Train Awards, which I love Lizzo down. I think she's great. I think she's amazing. I love what she's doing. Mm-hmm. I can't say <laughs> at the Soul Train Awards I would give that al- that album the award. I would I would give that that Lizzo album that award. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, well, let me let you finish. No, I, no. I mean, I, I, I think what I was going to was just asking you, um, kind of some of your thoughts on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, I guess maybe this particular Ari Linux situation, because I think we're going to move into maybe a broader situation or conversation about folks and their relationship with the industry in a couple seconds but as far as this is concerned i mean what what were you thinking what were your thoughts in real time absolutely so <clears throat> as a fan yeah i've had to learn to not get but so bent out of shape when my fave doesn't win an award that's rightfully deserved right i've had to sit through this with kendrick lamar and beyonce yeah twice each for each yes. of them okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> like so yes like it people don't win awards even that they deserve that happens and i also can understand like the passion behind it and you know you've like really crafted this project that you know is critically pretty solid like in terms of r&b projects that have been released in the last five years um i would i would rank shape by the baby on that list like easily um but at the same time me ranting about my favorite not winning an award is way different than my favorite ranting about not winning an award and I just think that because I'm trying to save some of my thoughts for like the conversation right. that we are going to have, but I just think that one to a degree, so much of the industry now is predicated on being independent or independent adjacent. Okay. Like nobody wants to look like they're affiliated with a major, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right now, like. You know, most people want to look like they're they're on that independent grind or get independent adjacent. So, like, Ari Lennox isn't technically independent, but it's not like I don't know who um, Dreamville's distribution is, but it's still kind of like a more like a, a boutique label kind of like you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Columbia is different from Murder Inc. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it is. Well, both. <laughs> you know what I'm You'll get your music out either way, but it's like it's a difference in in platform, right? And and so and I and even with that, I still don't know like what Dreamville's like whole setup is. I'm guessing it's affiliated under Rock Nation, which whatever, 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 what have you. The bigger point I'm trying to get to is there is a certain level of engagement with the industry that you have to, you know, perform in order to get the nominations 
and the awards. Yeah. It's like with any, it's like the politics at anybody's job. Like, you know what I'm saying? You might just want to come to work and do the best job you can and be able to go home. But it's like, to a degree, if you want to get to that next level or something, you're going to have to ask your boss to lunch at some yeah. point. Or you're going to have to. So it just, it seems, and, and mind you, we don't know what Ari Lennox is um, behind the scenes, like who she's taking meetings with and, you know, how she's trying to establish these relationships in the industry. But it's just like, it could be that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could, I, I mean, it could be a lot of things. I do think, to your point, um, <laughs> because with awards, and we're, you know, we're going to talk about the Grammys a little bit later also, mm-hmm. but with awards, they're so political now <sighs> that it's almost impossible, kind of like you were saying, it's like, and I'm not saying that it's the right thing at all. Exactly. I'm not saying that I agree with it. Me either. You know? But in a world of what is, um, you realize that a lot of these awards end up going to people that are gonna get ratings on the show um, or that who's who you know having their name attached to your award means that you have some sort of clout because they have some sort of clout. And we just talked about the Soul Train Awards and their views, so right, you know. And and I think that, was, which is interesting because the fact that the same award show that would award Lizzo an album of the year, but have it, considering a large portion of Lizzo's fan base does identify as queer. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that they're But they're not thinking about that. Like, they're, they're not. Like, Right, but it's just it's interesting though to see how like those two things converge yeah. in like in the same show. But yeah. but back to the point even um of you could have gone twenty nineteen and not have heard anything that Ari Lennox put out. You could not have gone twenty nineteen and not have heard anything that Lizzo put out. And the yeah. you know what I'm saying, like it of course like that's just subjectively speaking. Like yeah. I ran Shea Butter, I got to join on vinyl. I love right. the album, but at the same time, to the masses, like your your songs aren't being picked up on pop radio like that. Your song, like you're not. But I think, I think that was her argument. I think that her argument was if this was pop, if this was the VMAs, if this was Billboard, maybe you know what I'm saying. But this is the one place that I'm supposed to shine you know but i would also ask her to go back and look at the last couple of years of soul train awards like you have bruno mars being nominated for awards this year right. you right. have khaled yeah or khalid i don't know how to pronounce that young man like he's being nominated i don't think he's a soul artist per but i would place him more i would place him closer to soul than lizzo I don't, but see, I wouldn't say that because if you listen to songs like "Cause I Love You," if you listen to, like, even like a tempo isn't a pop record. It's maybe right. like an R&B but it's not soul. Fight, but it would align more in soul because the Soul Train Awards hasn't been all Erica Badu's and Maxwell's and D'Angelo's right. like since, since it's they were them, right? You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, so since they were the ones being nominated. It's just like no. So my thing is the Soul Train Awards has always Soul Train as an entity has always been about black music, black artists. Yeah. 
It's not just, oh, you make real R&B. You make real true-to-form soul music. So this is going to be the platform. And I know it can be disappointing. um, But my thing is just, like, there's... I think that you've got to learn how to, like, manage that a little bit better, Ari Lennox, because the other issue is that this is the second time I've seen a similar rant like this in about a year's time. Because before... um, It was before... Was it... Cause I'm trying not, I'm trying to make sure I'm not getting her confused with SZA. Cause I remember SZA complaining about um, quitting the industry right before she announced that Control was coming out. No, but I Ar- complained about about quitting before. Okay, good. I was like, I know I'm not making this. And up. there's also, and this kind of transitions into the next girl. Cause ha- so there's an interview with her and Summer, Summer Walker, um, and I think it, it's, it was around the time over it came out. And so her and um, Ari Lennox and Summer Walker just having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Summer Walker is like, you know, do you ever just want to pack it all up and just go home? And Ari was like, well, sis, what are you going to do when the money runs out? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, hello. Like, that's a very real... You know, and I, I was glad that Ari Lennox had that mindfulness right. at the time, which is why I think for her it's more so of like a ebb and flow. Like I have really, really rough days, but I also know like I ain't gonna be doing shit else. Absolutely. Whereas with Summer, <laughs> um, you know, so here's here's the thing, and there are lots of people who feel lots of different ways about this Summer Walker situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so to just kind of lay it all out, recently Summer Walker has um, canceled the remaining like of her tour. Um, had you not select, seen that Select dates. Select dates? Yeah, so she didn't cancel all of the rest of the dates. Did she cancel yours? Yes. Yeah, okay. But see, so, I saw her back in September at one music yeah. fest, but I could talk about that in a second. Right, exactly. But so she cancels select dates. And the thing is, so I went to see PJ Morton here in LA the same night that she was in here in LA. Here in LA. And um, I was watching clips because I knew I couldn't be there. Like a couple of my other friends were there. And I saw that clip of her performing Come Through with Usher. And, um, but I think originally the story came from like people at her meet and greet, like this girl was off, (laughs) like very standoffish, didn't want to talk to nobody, like didn't want to do whatever. And then, you know, you see the perform, her performing come through and like, she just doesn't look pleased to be there, happy to be there, whatever. So now everyone, um, has decided within a week's time to, you know, go back to school and get their PhDs in psychology and psychiatry because everyone is just so aware of how mental health works and <laughs> what it looks like and how it manifests itself in the black community. And we're, we're so quickly diagnosing based on behaviors, based on 12 second video clips. And things that she said out of her mouth. Right. Um, so... So it's interesting, you know, like I think, <laughs> I think, you know, and I am not one um, to, I am not the person that's like, 
man up, get over it, you know, anxiety isn't real, the health isn't real. I know those things to be true for myself. Absolutely. Um, What I do find a bit disheartening and troubling is the choices that are made um, and the decisions that are made, (laughs) either knowing those things to be true or discovering those things to be true and doing the choices that are made after that discovery takes right. place. Absolutely. So there's so many things. Okay. So just to put a, a vocal reminder out my out there about where I'm going to try to start and end with this. Okay. I'm going to start at a question that I've had about Summer Walker well, okay. my question and my hypothesis about Summer Walker, yes. and we're going to end up at Summer Walker and Kanye being very similar. In Yikes. Okay. So get ready for this ride. I am. So like a year ago this time, um, Summer Walker was touring to support uh, last day of summer, which is that was the first project she put out with Girls Need Love and CPR and all of that. Um, and I remember like me and my homegirl tried to go get tickets, but I mean the show was selling out and people were reselling her them twenty five dollar tickets for like a hundred and something. So she was like selling out, but then you started hearing people say, "Oh, she sucks live. <laughs> like she is." <laughs> horrible like, that is like that was literally like you started hearing that yeah and so i was like okay ooh, well i haven't seen her. i want i'm still interested in seeing for myself because sometimes people judge things with their own criteria and it's like well i wouldn't even really have cared about that so um i saw her perform live on the jimmy on i think it's the jimmy kimmel show yeah um she was like one of the featured musical artists earlier this year and this is when she came out with the shaved head and everything and she was just sitting there with the guitar playing but she sounded amazing okay and i just thought like okay maybe she's just kind of like a little low key but i do remember at some point between some point maybe it was like after that was released i started like looking to see if i could find interviews with like of hers because i was just okay. like i'm curious to know like i'm ve- really liking her music because you know she also put on an ep earlier this year mm-hmm. um so it's like i'm liking her music let me see if i can learn more so in a couple of her interviews <clears throat> once she talked about people saying that she was like bad at performing live and then two she talked about um it just, it was a sense of, I don't really, like, I'm I'm bothered by this fame stuff, or I'm bothered by, I'm bothered by people's expectations, maybe okay. as an artist, um, which is where we get to my hypothesis about this situation. Again, at, on that note, and for me personally, I do not seek to demean a legitimate mental health condition like we understand that it's real and it manifests differently in everybody again this is not that 
But in just, I don't want to say but because that does negate everything that came before. It would seem <laughs> Summer Walker, to a degree or to a large degree, I would um, would guess internalize what people were saying about how she performs, and it manifested itself into either a phobia or either into a genuine, I just don't want to fucking go out there and sing this music for these people that don't fucking like how I show up. Yeah. Like, because you also think about some of the other things she said, like, y'all don't deserve me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just gonna go home and make soap. She said that in one of the... <laughs> so it's just like, okay. Like... What you have here is somebody that's very talented, but they have not been groomed and developed. Yeah. Like some good friends um, was talking about, like, having a conversation about just, like, the the importance of um, uh, artist development in this day and age. Um, And I was telling um, Ashley, I was just like, I... You know Ashley Daniels that's been on the show before. Yes. Uh, We were talking about this... um, a little briefly and I wasn't aware of all that they were saying, but I just think on on my end, I've that's something I've said before. Artists are not getting groomed and developed these days like they used to. No. Because there is no way that say Summer Walker because again, I'm trying to figure out too why when you were touring last year like, yeah, people might have came back and said that you stiff or you don't really do too much on stage, but you weren't canceling shows. It wasn't the social anxiety piece being brought up. That's a recent thing. Yeah. And now it's it's starting to become almost like a, a convenient reason, a yeah. convenient yeah. excuse yeah. to cancel shows or to half-ass shows. Um, because my thing is... Have it as with any condition. It's one thing to have it; it's another thing to treat it so that right. it can get better. You can get better at managing it. And this is how she aligns with Kanye. Boy, I did that. Okay, so it's just like how we've, you know, Kanye West was getting like people would attribute mental illness to him before it even was public knowledge that he's bipolar. Polar, I think. Yeah. I believe it's at least bipolar. Um, and so then, like, he put out the Yay album, and then on the album cover, it says, what, Yes, I'm Bipolar, or something like that? It's like, I hate being bipolar, it's awesome, or something right. like that. So it's like, these these artists and, and, and everybody, I guess, goes about stuff differently, but to me, in my humble opinion, that just seems to be a very scapegoatish way to to conduct yourself. To be able to say at any given time, I don't have to do my job well because of X. Yeah. When you're also not actively, or it would seem, it appears, because I don't know, but it appeared well with Kanye West, we've heard Kim say before that he will go off the medicine and will intentionally not take it. Yeah. Some Walker, I 
while sis is giving me pole dancing lessons and I'm not saying she can't do that, but it's like, I would like to hear her say something about a therapist every once in a while. Maybe yeah. if we're going to, because the danger in having people tout mental illness for their, for their convenience, seemingly, yeah. is that it dismisses the real lived experiences of people every day who are struggling with a diagnosed mental illness, who feel that something is wrong or off, but have not taken the steps to go and treat it. And now you see your favorites and not saying you should take life lessons from your favorites, but now you see somebody on a big stage that's like, yeah. well, no, I just, I just avoid it. Or I just don't perform. I just don't show up. How many of us could afford to not show up in everyday life because that's of mental or other health conditions that we deal with? That's like, exactly what I was about to say. Like we, those of us <laughs> who, you know, maybe dealing with things of that nature still have to function. You know what I'm saying? Thing. Like, and not just, you know what I'm saying? Spending Friday through Sunday on a stage, like put in 40 plus hours a week. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. and, and it's not, it's not belittling a struggle. It's not, you know, it's not oppression oh. wars. It's not one is worse than the other. But it does, it is a certain place of privilege to say, you know what, I'm just going to go home. Right. I'm you know, like, my head out. you know, and, 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 and as much as maybe, you know, there's an argument that we shouldn't have to work ourselves to death and we shouldn't live in a society where you have to work in order to maintain, you know, any sort of live, you know, or like we're not necessarily, I don't know, all of the arguments that can be made. Absolutely. I get that. But what I also, to your point, agree with is the fact that, like, you have to take care of yourself. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? You can't just say, I'm not well, peace out, and then just continue to peace out and not be well. And you continue know? to put yourself in positions where you're not well. Yeah. I, a part of me knew when she announced that the tour was going to be called the first and last tour, yeah. I started to see the fucking hood wink. I was yeah. like, dog, yeah. she's already calling us the first and last tour. We already know that people say she's not a good live performer. Although, when she performed at One Music Fest back in September, I didn't think she was horrible. I just thought <laughs> she was a small venue sort of girl. I yeah. said she will sit with her guitar or, you know what I'm saying, something like that. She ain't gonna give you no two-step or nothing like that. Yeah. So, Maybe she just needs to play coffee houses or stand in room only venues. Like that yeah. might be her thing, no matter yeah, how right. popular her music is. Some yeah. people, that's the extent of where they need to perform. So to just feel like at this point, she's just like, nah, I can't be bothered with doing that. When yeah. it's like touring and performing live is, is always going to be an artist's bread and butter. That's yeah. why you have people like Diana Ross at 70, 75, <laughs> that can still go and do Essence Festival, will still right, give right. you a tour. Anita Baker been trying to tell our asses farewell for two years. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like Frankie Beverly and May still hop out there. Like, right. it's just, you have yeah. had any number of performers who have been in 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 real struggle, real trying to like get their shit together situations and will still find a way to get out there and perform. And my concern is that 
and this kind of goes back to the Ari Lennox piece. My concern is that if y'all, if younger artists, newer artists are getting sidetracked by, I ain't win this award, so now I want to quit. Yeah. People don't think I'm that good as a live performer, so now I want to quit. Yeah. Like if that's the mindset that we're gonna have from some of the more talented yeah. of the people out there right now, it's just like this is a day like this is not a good direction for mm-hmm. music to be heading in, especially mm-hmm. RB music. Yeah. Like, this is I don't I don't know. It's just I I it's just very, and, and this is where it also comes back to artist development because before you think to make a statement like that on social media, somebody should be consulting with you. Yeah. Before you put a woman out there to tour who apparently has social anxiety, who has said she has social anxiety, there should have been someone from her team that, okay. Well, Summer, we really need to sit down and make a plan about how we're going to do this. Right. Because we don't have meet and greets. And and that is perfectly okay. So many artists stop doing that after. Um, I know this um one kind of up and coming artist was shot and killed at a meet and greet. Mm-hmm. At one of her shows, like maybe three, three and a half years ago. So I know a lot of artists stopped doing meet and greets after that. Yeah. So. People will understand stuff like that. But at the bare minimum, beloveds, get out there and do your job. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I think that a lot of artists are going to be in trouble if they keep on with these mindsets. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Like, and music is going to be in trouble because if at the first sign of anything negative, you just want to get back into a corner, you know what I'm saying, and give up. Like, there's so many there are so and this goes into our next piece like the greats the greats get talked about like dogs you know what i'm saying like okay. if, do you know how many people hate beyonce just because it's fun to hate beyonce you know exactly. what i'm saying like constantly girl constantly. like there are people who same thing with and this is somebody else who shouldn't get phased by nikki like it's like there are people who you know, once you know you have something and you know you have something good and there's a confidence in that, there shouldn't be, it shouldn't be so hard to be dismayed, at least not publicly, you know? Like, we don't know what's going on in your home. We don't know how many nights you're crying yourself to sleep, but you don't have to unlock that phone and go to Twitter. You don't have to get on live. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are things that you do to... Thera- you know what I'm saying? Therapeutic like, things. I mean, like, for instance, oh, go record more music. Right. Like, my thing is, as an artist, not every creative has the platform to put something that's frustrating for the, to them or for them into the art. Yeah. You both have a platform to where if some shit is bothering you, like... Go there with it. And my thing is, go go there with your music because it's one thing to be ranting and raving about, like, something, like a Cardi B rant. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, that's one type of rant. But it's a whole other rant that 
whenever something about the industry pisses you off, you threatening to quit. Like, how do you expect to develop a loyal fan base that way? Yeah. So, I mean, I just think something I want to see people get together. Because, I mean, like, so what we were going to talk about is Drake getting booed. So, you know, like, one, can't really see how that would happen at a, you know what I'm saying, like, at a festival where, so... He was at what is it, Camp Flogna or whatever it's called? Yeah, Tyler. Yeah, Tyler the Creator's, you know. And my understanding is that Tyler the Creator asked Drake to come. People thought that Frank Ocean were going to be there because of, I mean, for the same reason that people thought that they were going to ransack Area 51, the internet. You know what I'm saying? Like dumb <laughs> shit like that. Exactly. So, based on nothing. So, like. Frank Ocean doesn't show up. Drake shows up instead. And the people there decide to boo him, literally boo him off the stage. And I would have never thought that in this day and age in 2019, Drake would be booed anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, people might have issues with him. I know I do. But, you know, if Drake shows up at a at a concert, we're going. That's the one thing he does well is music. It might not be choices with women, you know what I'm saying? It might not be anything else. But one thing Drake will do is give you a show. Uh, so just take that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I legitimately don't understand where that would come from. But then again, on Drake's side, handling it like a professional. All right. You know what? I'm here for y'all. Y'all don't want me here. Be blessed. You know, like. Because at the end of the day, Drake's not quitting. (laughs) uh, Okay, because Drake is also like, I don't care. The check clear or or whatever. Like I'm good off this. Like I didn't even charge. Like (laughs) exactly. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I just think that so that is one thing. And this is why. (laughs) This is so funny. This is why I've always thought the. Wayne Drake relationship was different than the Nikki Wayne relationship mm. because that's the one thing that Drake seems to have gotten like Drake can be very cocky but the ability to be gracious yeah is important yeah. and that is one thing that no matter how how Wayne, Lil Wayne shows up, and that's in any sense of that phrase. Um, one thing that I, two things I will always say about him is that he puts on a good show and that he's a very gracious artist. Yeah. Because the times when I saw him at live, the times he took to just stop and say, thank you all. Like, I appreciate, I do this for y'all. Like, And that just felt good in the era, like getting, knowing that we Especially looking back now and knowing that we've entered an era where people don't give a damn if somebody is their fan or not. Like, even somebody that wants to be a fan of them, it's like these artists will do things to make people not be their fans. Yeah. Um, And not care. Exactly. And that's what I was thinking, like, even when we were having a previous discussion. I don't recall when it became cool to just lack decorum or to yes. it's not uh, like that's a different conversation you know what I mean <laughs> don't be here all exactly day. right but yeah these young ones I swear kudos to Drake though on yeah. that exactly um so moving right along we can talk about some of these uh Grammy nominations that list came right. out 
within the last week. Yeah, it did. Um, Where do you want to start? I don't even know. That's not I, mean, I will say, you know, I was glad that Ari did get nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, for, and I don't even, I'm trying to look now to see what she was nominated for. So we can start with the big ones. Yeah. So she's nominated for record of the year for Seven Rings. I think that's a stretch. Yeah, that that, that is a bit of a stretch. I kind of like either. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, you're you're saying Ariana Grande. I was still talking about Arlen. <laughs> I was like Seven Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay no, so let me get, no, let's I, talk about let's talk about the big stuff first okay <laughs> i really thank you oh my god um so yeah record of the year um i mean the people that are that we're interested in are ariana grande <laughs> ariana grande her uh you said Khalid, right? Yeah. Um, Lil Nas X Lizzo. Yeah. Because I really care for that um, Sunflower song by Post. I don't mind it. So here's the interesting thing. And we can talk about both of these people Okay. In, at one time. So are you familiar at all with Billie Eilish? A little bit. People love her. And it's like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think that she is interesting. Um, and I think, you know, I think that she's a good musician, but I feel the same way about her that I feel about Post Malone. It's like, is it because they're white? Like, like, I like, is it because they're doing this, like, edgy thing in a white body? It's really interesting to me because I don't get, like, I legitimately do not understand why Post Malone is as popular the way, as he is. And in the same way with Billie Eilish, it's like, I like her. I don't dislike her. I think she's a good artist. But the fact that she is... So like so all over all of these awards, yeah, is is a little crazy to me. Like, but you know, every every year, like the during award season, like there there has to be a golden child, and yeah. it used to not change as frequently as it does now, um, but I think that that just goes back to the inundation of music that we get in the streaming age because yeah. you got artists that will release you know multiple projects in one year now because music just doesn't have the same shelf life that it used to yeah. Um, but yeah I'm, but so the funny thing is so I heard about Billie Eilish a while ago while I was still living in DC because I was chilling with um, Jabari who we both know uh-huh. um, actually you know shout out while we're here we can shout out the Bullshitting for Your Health podcast you know yeah. my students have decided to branch out on their own and Okay. Do some things. <laughs> Y'all go check them out. Yeah. Um, but so Jabari introduced me to Billie Eilish, and we were watching some of her music videos. Granted, we were in altered states. So I was like, trip because like she has some very scary and like off-putting music videos. Like she's a creepy little girl, and she's like 17. Um, so at, at first glance, I was like, yeah, no, nah, this isn't for me. You know, but then, you know, I kept hearing her name and then I moved out here and my friends out in L.A. kept talking about her. And I was just like, so I started listening to her music. And again, like, I think it's good. Like, I don't I don't think it's bad, but it's just not like it's not all this. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
honestly, she gives me 2019 Lord. Like maybe sure, we gonna have sure. she gonna have a good run this award season probably, and then we'll see about a follow up. Right. Like you know what I mean, and that's that is um kind of one of the kind of gifts and curses of being recognized so much by the industry um so early on in your career yeah. uh, because it really can kind of work against you and i'm not saying that it necessarily will but i think that based on the clips of songs that i've heard from her based on just overall demeanor it it gives me lord like it yeah. gives me that same sort of like angst or yes it just is dark. very much seen angst um <laughs> And Post Malone, I will say that I think Post Malone makes pretty decent music. Like he made, I, and I he really got that. I I don't know. He's got that little rap melodic melodic yeah. rapping thing going, and he's got it going well for him. So yeah. I don't know, but I I do not like that song. And of the songs nominated for Record of the Year, this is a very it's, it's a interesting list, right? Yeah. Because it's like not many of these songs I feel like I can really sink my teeth into. The <laughs> if you're going for that, hard place by her is the obvious choice. But Wait. I do you say I, what? I mean not <laughs> that I would disagree with you, but like I don't see like realistically, I don't see that going to her. And and I really that's not my favorite song by her either. It, yeah, I do love favorite. that song. Wait, I so, like it a lot. I do. Oh, huh? oh no, I was trying to because you. Never mind. Yeah. You answered my question. So you said you really <laughs> yeah. love this song. I do. I do really like Hard Place. Yeah. Um, yeah. To me, it just sounds like an. It sounds like an obvious ploy for a Grammy moment. Oh, like, maybe, maybe, you know, and maybe that's you know, and maybe that is it. But it just, it's like it, it just. I guess I like it because it feels familiar to me, and that might be exactly what you're talking about. But it's just yeah. you know the positive and negative of that same feeling. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like it feels like R&B that I'm used to. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I could. Uh, yeah. I mean, I honestly, if if you're gonna talk about the biggest songs in that category, though, yeah. you either gotta go Old Town Road or Truth Hurts. Truth Hurts, right? Exactly. And I honestly wouldn't be mad at either one of them for right. taking that. I want Lil Nas X to win some Grammys. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think that the album of the year. Field is just very, very lacking. Um, <laughs> it's, it really is. Like, yeah. because, and honestly, but here's here's the thing that we know is likely to happen. Bon Iver is going to come through yeah. and sweep all of these fucking old Bon Iver. Like, uh, oh, what is it? Bon Iver. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, come on, Bon Iver. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> Since he popped up on Rihanna's song, yes, Jesus. and since he showed up on my um fucking Apple or iTunes library on Wednesday, wasn't that uh, um what album was it that showed up on like everybody's phone? Wasn't it like a a U two album? Yeah, he's the lead for of U two, I think. 
No, boy, that's Bono. Oh, shit. <laughs> Both of us. <laughs> Don't either one of us know. <laughs> oh, right, because Bon Iver was not on Rihanna's song. That was Mickey Echo. Listen, that was on stay. White she, was, clearly not our forte. I was about to say, was somebody <laughs> that we no, he was on all of the lights, I think. Sure. He did some he work did. on yeah. my beautiful Doctors of Fantasy. He did. Um he did. in terms of album of the year, honestly, I I'm still confused by them nominating her for these album awards that they're saying aren't albums. Mm. Like Yeah. Uh, and then Lil Nas X Seven is an EP. I mean, I guess, yeah, but yeah. If we Let not make like. I'm confused. It, I think they're confused too. Do you think that the Academy actually likes her, or do you think that they're you like so it, because it's in, like, I wouldn't expect from what I know of the Academy in this day and age for someone like her to be so popular because she actually makes good music. Does that make sense? Right. Well, it depends <laughs> on who's uh, like a vo- who the voting members voting. are. Yeah, because she just might have the right people in yeah. there that are advocating for her. Right. Because what we do know is that, and this is something I actually was thinking of earlier with the Ari Lennox situation, and it connects back to just what I was saying a few minutes ago about the way that music is released now. There are. Unless like people are checking for you in this day and age, your music can go missing. Unless you have name recognition, your music can go missing yeah. because so much music is coming out all the time, on schedule, off schedule, various platforms, what have you. And so what we do know at this point is that the Academy is familiar with her's work. And yeah. we know that they can't pay attention to more than one black girl doing R&B yeah. at one time. So... That's you know what I'm saying like I I don't expect her to leave this Grammys without an award, well, uh, and that's no fault to her because she does good she's good at what she does yeah um but yeah I don't I don't even know who I got for this album of the year right I don't it's really a toss up yeah because I mean I thank you I'm, next wasn't a bad album. I, I like, yeah, I like Thank You Next a lot. I mean, but it also is just very scattered. Like, it's all over the place. It's hard to put these albums up against each other because they're so different. Absolutely. And I feel like whoever they, unless they, I mean, because they could go with uh, that Bon Bon guy um, <laughs> or Lana Del Rey, which I just feel like I've never heard anybody that. <laughs> I've never There's known a specific person. niche demographic that listens to Lana Del Rey. And you know, and I'm gonna let that I'm gonna let your comments stand because I had no better way of putting that. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to I mean song of the year. I I am glad that Taylor Swift and get nominations and right. album of the year or um, record of the year. I feel like they're starting to set her ass down. <laughs> yeah. I I'm just confused why anything from What's that movie called with Lady Gaga? Oh, um, A Star is Born. I'm so confused why anything from that is still getting it's nominated. It's still up here, yeah. So, I... Who well, knows? I mean, the same argument could be made about Because um, I Love You, because that album is quite old. Uh-uh, that album just came out this year. What album am I thinking about? Uh, well, so Truth Hurts came out two years ago. That's what I'm thinking about. 
But That's I guess they said because it didn't really pick up no steam to this shit. <laughs> girl, go ahead. <laughs> girl, we right. need diversity anywhere in the category. Go ahead. We're going to nominate it. Okay. I mean, so, you know, uh, hmm. Go for it. This is where I'm thinking. Let me see. Yeah, because. I'm thinking this might either go to Billie Eilish or Lizzo for Song of the Year. For Song of the Year? Yeah. I see that. I see that. I'll put my money on Lizzo. Yeah. I I can't say it's the better song, but it's the song that I've listened to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you can can we can can the last one we do be best new artist? Because there are some interesting yes. folks in here. Yes. Um so we have Black Pumas, don't know who that is, Billie Eilish, Lil Nas X, Lizzo, Maggie Rogers, again, don't know her, Rosalia. Now, I was introduced to her, I think, through the VMAs uh-huh. um, in that performance. And, you know, she was a cute little girl. Um, she did her thing. Yeah. Tank and the Bangers, who I love. They, I mean, new to you, old to me, and I'm uh-huh. okay with that. <laughs> I- um, and then Yola, again, don't know who that is. But I feel like, uh, well, who would you want to win? Who would you want to win? I would want Tank and the Bangers to win, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because I just, I just feel like what they're offering to the to the game is something different than most of these other nominees. Yeah. Um, but I also think that they've had a come up that is kind of representative of like the music industry these days. Like essentially y'all won a, a social media contest to go on NPR, Tiny Desk. Yeah. And from there you've been able to just like flourish. Yeah. Um, I saw them live last year at South by Southwest and I was amazed. They are yeah. amazing. They're really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um I honestly I don't know that I would want Lil Nas X to go home with this one. Um should have been nominated. I don't think so either. Because again, like I like I like him a lot. I love him a lot. But I don't think that he has shown enough of what would make a best new artist to be nominated in this category. And that's and that's exactly my reason. It's not that it's not because I don't think he should be nominated eventually. But yeah. I think that okay, once you submit and get nominated for best new artist, you can't have that moment again. You right. haven't released your debut album yet. Yeah. So I feel like you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like if you wait for something, you set yourself up better to achieve it. Yeah. And I just feel like they kind of like cheated him a little bit by even nominating him that early or submitting for him to be nominated that early. Yeah. I mean, so. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't be mad if Lizzo won it, though. I was going to say I wouldn't be mad if Lizzo won it either. I think it's going to go to Billy Eilish, though. Probably. Yeah. Um... Okay. Well, yeah. Well, let's 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 do some other things. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we there are a couple tracks of new music I think we wanted to talk about. Yes. Okay. Well, let's do that. Um. 
Real quick, have you listened to that new Sierra song? <laughs> I have not. You haven't. <laughs> I saw the slew of people on it and immediately became disinterested. <laughs> and it's not because I don't like those people, but it was just like, what in the cold <laughs> Sierra organized this time? Like, girl, I'm not playing with you right now. So what I will say, I like the song okay. because it's a very Sierra song. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, one the one critique I will I do have of it is like it's very cold outside and it is very much a summer track. Like I hate when songs come out, out of season. Yes. It's it's completely, <laughs> completely out of season. And I mean it's like it would have been impossible to get this track earlier because JT is on it. Um uh. but we could have waited till twenty twenty, honestly. Like this the song wasn't going anywhere. Um but this is the kind of music, like, I feel like we were talking about Sierra and the sound. Like, this is Sierra's s- s- sound. You might not like okay. it, you might think it's corny, but it's a Sierra track. You know what I'm saying? It's like a little, you know, cheerleader slash on the playground hopscotch. Jig, a little jig, jig. It's got a gigolo vibe to it. You know what I'm saying? It's very, yeah, it's uh, very hey. you know what I'm saying? Like, um, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You know what I'm saying? It's that type of track, which is very Sierra, you know? Like, and it's cute. Like, I, you know, like, and it's it's girl power, and it's it's very much her. And I can appreciate that and her knowing that and doing that a lot more than these failed attempts at what is not her. You know what I'm saying? I just... <sighs> I just always feel like my girl just be like 80% there, <laughs> but it'd be like a hell of a 20%. <laughs> like, I just, I can't think of any other way to put it. Like, I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to listen to it and see, see how I feel. I'll report back on that one. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's nothing else. It's a, it's a fun song. It's, it okay. really is. It really is. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, Without giving her, like, you know, is this your breakout single? Because it's not. It's a cute little track. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's a cute track. And okay. it's, you know. And we so, do love Sierra. We, we do. do. We absolutely do. I'll take a listen. Um, but, yeah, I just had that. And then I had Luke James had came out with a track called um, All of Your Love that I really, really liked. I need to listen to that. Yeah, I like him. I feel like we've talked about him before. Um, but that's someone else that I feel like just doesn't really get a lot of shine, you know? Um, yeah, he hasn't had his breakthrough song yet. Yeah, which is crazy to me because I've been listening to him for so long. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't he was know. opening for Beyonce on tour probably like a good, what was that, 10 years ago? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Almost yeah. so. Um, well, speaking of James, yeah. people's name ends in James, and I'm not talking <laughs> about LeBron, um, but somebody else that has a new song out, somebody else that has a new song out is Ro James. Um, yeah. And uh, first of all, if I have not said it on this show, let me just say it right here now. I love me some Ro James. Okay. That brother's voice is... He smoked just the right amount of blunts and cigarettes to get yeah. like that good raspiness, but it's still so clear and rich. Uh, if you've never seen Ro James live, he is somebody I recommend. He is amazing. At any rate, he got this new song out called Last Time. Yeah. 
And it was crazy because literally I was sitting there thinking, like, when is Roe James going to bless us with some new music, a new album? Because he had put out, I think, a couple of singles earlier this year. And then, like, literally a Thursday night, midnight, I check my, like, streaming services and I see this new song by Roe James. It is nice. It uses an amazing sample on there. Yeah. From Ursha, baby. Yeah. Um, I just yeah, that's a it's a bomb ass song. I'm curious to see what a video is gonna look like for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm feeling that one. Yeah, yeah. And then you wanted to talk about um, your girl, right? Her, yes. The album that she dropped. Yeah. Yeah. So Tanache dropped a new project called Songs for You. Yeah. Um, I've listened through it a couple of times. I actually like it. I have too. This was yeah. I, I said this was the first of her albums, I think since Aquarius that I listened all the way through. Yeah, because I liked Aquarius. I thought that it could have been trimmed down a few songs. Yeah. Um, But like Night Ride and then Joy Ride, they both had good songs on them, but it wasn't like a straight through listen for me. No. This project, I could listen straight through. Yeah. Yeah, this, this, this is this. If people are paying attention, this is Tinashe's moment, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they say her album is doing well and she's independent. So, I mean, I think that her working with Hitmaker for, if not all of the album, the vast majority of the album yeah. made a difference too, because I think that is one thing about some of her previous projects is that it just sounds very disjointed. Okay. You have like a run of pop records and then you have like, this sounds kind of R&B, kind of hip hop based. And then this just sounds like something else entirely. So right. I think that she's been able to craft more of a like cohesive sound. Yes. Yeah. No. So yeah, I, I, what she is probably going to need is some visuals to back up some of these tracks. Absolutely. Um, and that should be easy for her to deliver because the girl right. can dance. Exactly. And she's pretty. Yeah. Um, And then we're going on tour. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's really, it's literally boom, boom, boom. Like, this is what you need to do. Let's see if it happens. <laughs> okay. I pray it does because I will go see that. Cash yeah. Race is my song off yeah. that project. So... What is what are the songs? I had a couple songs that I really liked on there too. Um, that and just as an aside, not as an aside because she doesn't deserve, but Doja Cat, her album is really really good too. Hot Pink, I think is the name of it. Okay, I'm gonna have to check it out. Do you not like Doja Cat? I like some of her music, but I don't know if I like her yet. Okay. Sure. She's she's interesting. Okay. She's I don't I only know her for her music, so yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. get it offline, we'll get into that. Okay. Um what track did you say you liked from Tanasha's album? Um Cash Race. Oh, okay, yeah. I like Hopscotch and I like Link Up. Oh, Hopscotch is my joint Hopscotch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, the the last project that I wanted to talk well Jacques came out with King of R and B, it definitively proved that he is not. So Kickstate <laughs> um, <laughs> <takes> five. <laughs> that was an old nasty quick read. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Tape five came out from Tory Lanes. Yes. Um we I think we both agree mm-hmm. that maybe 
the least effective part of this project is the man himself, <laughs> Tory Lanez on the vocals. Um, I hear no lies. But other than that, I really enjoy what I enjoy about it, and I wrote it down. Like I really enjoy. Um, and he does this with all of his mixtapes, chicks tapes, you know, where it's like it's basically just a whole bunch of samples of old songs. Mm-hmm. But I think he really plugged it. This was like this was that really in its pocket and performed really well. Mm-hmm. So what he does is he takes all of these old tracks and through them, he tells a story. There are like these interludes in between that tell a story. And then he gets for most of the track the original artists that are on the sample to remix the song with him. And that is an amazing, it's like come through on crack. Like that's what I wrote down. It's like, if you had an album full of songs like come through by Summer Walker, like it would be Chicks Tape 5. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I will give Tory Lanez credit for that because, you know, like he's producing on it. It's this other guy. And I looked up the other main producer. Um, It's this guy named Play Picasso. And so he has been working with Tory Lanez on a few of his things. Like, I think, what was the last thing he did where it was, like, the Muppets in the Brady Bunch uh, thing, whatever? I don't know. I, I yeah, remember. I know Broke Leg was on there. Yes. Um, I know. She but, so I looked up Play Picasso, and, like, he was this guy that was, like, making beats in high school, dropped out of high school, got his GED, but, like, was inspired by, like, film scores and, like, Hans Zimmer and, like, those types of composers. And you can tell that in some of, like, because there are moments in the mixtape that seem very theatrical, you know what I'm saying, through the music, you know? And, you know, what I will give Tory Lanez credit for before I drag him really quickly is this concept. Like, there's something to be said about having a great concept and implementing it really well because like it came, I have no doubt that this concept came from his mind, you know, and I can really appreciate that and the musicality and all that that comes behind it. And I was, that was going to be the end of the conversation until this last week when Tory Lanez decided to go places and say things and start, you know, it, it, that's always how, like in this age of like social media and like this constant bombardment of like what our artists think on a regular basis, there's this constant disappointment where it's just like, can you just shut up? <laughs> like, can you just not say anything? I want um, the more that you have to offer. Because twice, the one time he was talking with Joe Budden and he was talking about girls wanting his money, which I don't know, whatever. But then he was talking about, I think with Ebro or somebody else, he was talking about like this, um, like this age of like rap. And he was talking about how it, it was like essentially like, oh yeah, you know, like these rappers today, like it's not real rap, it's not real hip hop because everybody sounds exactly the same. Everybody just taking a beat and taking a nice beat and going off that beat. And I was just like, have you like, where is the where is the self-awareness <laughs> like, right. i mean not, have you not heard the music that you like don't get me wrong like i i enjoy it but you're making a complaint about the type of music that you make so i'm confused as to like i guess the type of music that you think that you make because you're also not a full-time rapper you know what i'm saying like right. so I it's mean, very I- <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, cause, yeah. Uh, like, oh, good God. As you were saying that, all I could think of was never in my life have I ever heard a Tory Lane song and said, you know what? Innovative. Yeah. Like, I've never, <laughs> like, I've never thought, wow, he is bringing something different. This is orbiting. Like, oh, bah, we've got it. Like, I think that, again, I think that his chicks tapes are the most interesting things he produces musically. Now, he gives you some bops with his albums and stuff, but um, because uh, have you listened to his other chick tapes? I have. Yeah. Okay, I've so, listened to most of them. Okay, so like I like how he always like each of them has a theme with how he because he'll pick the samples based on that theme. And so I like that. Um, I did really appreciate for this one that he was using the original artist, especially when it came on and I heard Jagged Edge. Yeah. But yeah, I just I don't know. Like it's it also just feels like a lazy viewpoint to make. Right. Yeah. It's like when people ask about the state of female rap and someone immediately says, well, all of them are strippers nowadays. Right. It's just a very lazy point to yeah. make. It's, and it's like, also just not true. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, like y'all must have been the people in class that you just reiterated what somebody said before you and changed yeah. a few words. Because like <laughs> not an original thought in sight. Right. So it's like it's. I wish that people knew it's okay to be like, you know what? I haven't really... I, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about that. Yeah. You know, like, or... Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that there's some good out there. I think that there's, you know, some hip-hop that ain't really hitting too hard. Like, you can... There are ways to answer questions where you don't come out looking like an idiot. Or you don't... And by idiot, I mean, like, making this grand statement. Like, you're so insightful and wise, but you're really... Right. Not doing the same shit you're accusing other people of. Kudos. Tory names. But I but, think that's all we have for gossip folks. Yes. Yeah. Oof. That, <laughs> it was enough to just try to get that because we could have really... Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, um. But yeah, so let's let's move into our noteworthy Yes. So, you know, by the time you all get this episode, we'll be like knocking at Thanksgiving's door. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we really wanted to we were inspired by um, a trend that we've seen on social media and just thinking about the time of year it is. Um, And we wanted to give y'all a sampling of. Um, the 10 albums that we're thankful for. So we're not going to give, we each have 10 albums on our list. Um, and we're not going to give you all the 20 collective albums on right. this episode. Uh, we're each going to do five. Um, and then y'all will just have to keep an eye on social media, um, go to our platforms. Um, to see what the other albums are that are on our list. And we would love to have you all send us in, um, you know, your thoughts on our list or your own list or just something related to the topic of thinking about albums that you're thankful for. So without further ado, um, would you like to give your first album? I can. I can do that. Um, So I think... You know, and kind of talking about this, 
because we spend so much time, you know, like talking about albums, doing breakdowns and all that other stuff, because we're in the the mode of thankfulness and the mode of like whatever it is that we're doing with these with these albums. I kind of wanted to just kind of give like the album kind of the general sound and then maybe like anecdotal, like a why, you know what I'm saying? For sure. Um, And so in doing that, I will um, I will start off. So let me just say in picking these albums and we might have had a different kind of approach to that. Absolutely. But in picking these, I was thinking about albums that either mean a lot to me personally or remind me of a point in time in my life mm-hmm. that were, I don't know, that just stands out, right? Absolutely. Um, so my first album is an album called um, Everlasting Love by C.C. Winans. Yes, come on, C.C. So, <laughs> so it dropped in 98. Um, this is like old school like this is like Kirk Franklin Mary Mary era gospel that was very like love inspired you know what I'm saying like it was a time when like people wanted to talk about how much they love God you know what I'm saying like it was like almost R&B-ish you know what I'm saying and not as churchy Uh, but Um, before we made it to trap gospel where we didn't love God no more we love God (laughs) Right. So, um, so this album is called Everlasting Love. Um, and I really like it a lot. It reminds me a lot of, it reminds me a lot of my mother and my sister Mm. because we would like ride around in the car together, listening to the album. Um, and it just really, I don't know. It's a very much like, um, it's an album that for me and today, like, is always my, like, get me out of a funk album. Mm. Because a lot of the album is, like, so it's it talks about, like, the first song is called Well Alright. So it basically just talks about, like, things are going on right now, the world is crazy, but everything is going to be alright. You know? And then um, the, tit- the title track, Everlasting Love, is, like, this interesting journey that CC goes through where she's talking about just like being really, I feel like it's a state of like depression and like mm. this, like pulling herself or, you know, I guess God kind of like pulling her out of that and like bringing her into like everlasting love or something like that. And so it's great. I mean, it, it, it reminds me a lot of a time in my life where as a child that was really necessary, like when my parents were getting divorced and like, when I was dealing with all that stuff and like a lot of it was like me and my sister and my mom just like needing that love for each other and love for God. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, I, that's definitely an album that I am always thankful for because I can always go back to it and remember that and also like pull myself out of like bad places when I find myself in them. So I love yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you done kicked us off with a soul filled album. I'm like, <laughs> a soul full album. Uh, <laughs> you can tell I was thinking about that one. <laughs> yes. yes. Love but, it. Um, so my first album is, well, so let me take a step back to your point. Um, and thinking about how to pick these albums, um, I had to tell myself multiple times 
this does not have to be a ranked list. This right. is uh, your top 10 albums of all time. These are just 10 albums that you're thankful for. And so I do think that in in utilizing that lens, it allowed me to really kind of hone in on projects that were released at either critical times in my life um, or albums that I've utilized to get me through very interesting times or albums that I just that just really kind of changed the way I think about even um, the music industry or being uh, creative around like the topic of music. Yeah. So that being said, the first album I picked is To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick. Mm. So honestly, I can't think of a more soulful hip hop album that has been released in the last I'm gonna give it 10 years yeah. and if somebody feels a way about it whatevs but I just think it's such a soulful album and um and it really is vivid it's timely storytelling it's vivid storytelling and it's a very timely album um because you think about so this album was released um I want to say toward the end of March of 2015 yeah um and so we're in the last like kind of like Toward the end of Obama's presidency, um, you're starting to see like the field of candidates that are running, like you know, popping up, and so uh, we're heading into that period. Um, and the album cover is the White House, but all these black men and and boys in various stages. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that that imagery was just so powerful. Um, and the music matches up, you know, yeah. like, it's just like from the first few moments that you hear every nigga is <laughs> thought, like from that to you get to that impeccable. And, and I know I'm like, I feel like I'm like overdoing it, but I'm like, I know I'm you're not. not. There's such you're a not. You're absolutely not. <laughs> you think about you go from that's how you open that album. And you close the album with this imagined interview with Tupac Shakur. I've just, I remember listening to that album and being like, oh my God. Like, cause Good Kid Mad City, Kendrick, I like thought he was talented, but I didn't really listen to that album all the way through at the time. But listening to To Pimp a Butterfly made me go back and listen to that album. Um, I mean, it's just, it's honestly one of the best albums like i said put out in forever but it's just, it's just um i don't know the 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 soundscape that he uses on that album is just he he conjured g-funk in that era yeah. but it was contemporary and i think that um in terms of really thinking about songs that i mean my one of my personal favorite songs is if these walls could talk um yes. Because I just I love yes. that song. And oh my, I saw somebody that worked on that song at South by Southwest last year, Anna Wise, who yeah. does like, she did quite a bit of work on that project. Um, and she did a part of like that song, just like her using the board. Like, it was just crazy yeah. to see. Um, and then another song that I really like is, what is it? Is it You? Cause I know he has I, but I think he also yeah, has on yeah. you, and you is where he's like, "Love you is complicated." Yes, and yeah. cause isn't it at the end of that song where he goes into that like 
other voice where he's like mm-hmm. talking about being depressed and yeah. I, it's just yeah it was so raw and so like vivid i honestly just one of my favorite albums of all time and i'm definitely thankful for it so what you got for us next so next well to that point i think i just miss kendrick hearing you talk about that made me be like wait i think i miss kendrick like i think i need something from him i absolutely do um because damn didn't hold me over yeah right that's another combo (laughs) so my next album is maxwell's urban hang suite Woo, jesus (laughs) so um this album, I would say, is probably I would I would call it Maxwell's quintessential album, mm-hmm. which is crazy because he made the album when he was 23 years old, if you can imagine that. And to think about it, it it's interesting. I think one thing I think about knowing that fact when I listen to this album is the way that I thought about adults as a kid in the 90s Mm. versus like how I see myself (laughs) in this day, you know, because to have have created something like this album at 23, like I I wouldn't have had the words like I like I just don't I don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Like, Uh it's amazing um, to me. Um, But beyond that, this album because I had to revisit it. I revisited it while I was in college. Okay. And I feel like this was an album for me that like helped me transition into manhood. And you can take that however way you would like. Um, but. <laughs> oh, get off my line. Get off my line. It, like there is. This album is grown. It is an adult album and not just not just in a sensual way. And there's plenty of that. So it's like you have um, till the cops come knocking, you know, you have like all that. But then you have like whenever, wherever, whatever you have, like there is this journey that you get taken on um, that really, I think, expresses in a very real way, like the love that a man has for a woman in Maxwell's case, you know, or just like the love that a person can have for another. Um, And it's very powerful. It's very real. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you, and you feel it. And beyond that. So when, when you say like, when it's, it's called like the, an urban hang suite, like it's a, um, it's like a sound journey. You know what I'm saying? Like there are songs there and I feel like there are a couple of tracks on there that are just instrumentals. Like it's just music. You know what I'm saying? Right. And in that music, there's a creation of a feeling and a sound um, that you can really sink your teeth into. And it makes for a young man like myself. Um, <laughs> it makes for a, a growing and 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 develop <laughs> developing that 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 I think is very important. Um. <laughs> I ain't dealing with you. I ain't dealing with you. Yeah. But that's a hell of a pick because so two quick things on that. Yeah. One, um, there's a really good documentary that I saw a couple of years ago. I think it's like a short it's like a short 
thing. But I'm pretty sure Maxwell is... I can't remember if the focus was him talking about creating Urban Hang Suite, and it mm-hmm. could have been like maybe a 20-year or something like that sort of thing. But I think one of the most... And he said... Um, he talked about listening to a lot of Leon Ware okay. while he was working on this project. And Are you familiar with Leon Ware? Not as familiar, no. Okay, good. I'm giving you homework. Yeah. But he, um, I think that who an artist is listening to and gets inspired by when they're in album creation mode, like, really makes a world of difference. Yeah. Because um, that's why he was able to, at 23, with the solo debut album, he was able to give you such rich sounds and lyrics because that's what he was pumping into his, like, right. into his creative psyche. Right. Um, because I, I recommend listening to the um, Leon Ware album, Musical Massage. Okay. Because from that album... There were songs that Marvin Gaye cut, um, that um, that he wrote. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, because he did a lot of work with Marvin Gaye on the I Want You album. So Ooh. it's like, this is this is who Maxwell is putting himself in the trajectory of right. creating a debut album. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love that project. Sweet Lady is my jam. Yeah, Sweet Lady. Lonely is the only company. Like... It makes me feel, and this, I guess this is what I'm talking about when I talk about that, like, growing, like, adulting process, Uh because a lot of me feels cheated out of not being an adult in the 90s. I know. And, but this album, like, it puts me there in a weird way. Like, listening to the album makes me feel, especially as an adult now, it makes me feel like I'm there. Like, it's like, when I hear songs, like, I'm like in a brownstone in Brooklyn and the rain is falling and I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's like, right. I feel like this, like, I, you know, it's like this, I don't know, this feeling I that get I, get. It. I but, get. Um, but yeah. So what do you have next? So next up, I have an album that we actually brought up briefly earlier in the episode. Um, none other than Janet Jackson's rhythm nation, 1814. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is easily one of the most important albums I ever made. Yeah. Um, on the one hand, because of how it reintroduced into popular music, um, the the act of really speaking on social issues and really being able to capture like what's happening at in that day and age um and during an era of time where people were being increasingly encouraged to be about themselves like mm-hmm. the 80s were known as the me like general you know era yeah. like everybody's thinking about how to get ahead individually so to have this artist um, that is, you know, her star is increasingly growing and she releases this really like amazingly solid love album with like huge themes of social justice present, not only in the music, but in the videos. It's just, I feel like this, this is Janet Jackson's seminal project. Like this is mm, the yeah. opus um, because it's like, if you don't get Rhythm Nation, I feel like you don't get a large part of her um, discography that comes after. Um, 
And some of my favorite Janet songs are on this album. Mm-hmm. Love Will Never Do Without You. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, and and that's something because I think that to going back to listen to this album, it really helps solidify for me that Janet Jackson has always been an R and B artist. I think like wow. I think you know like Will. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're silly. <laughs> but like no, I was like I was sitting. I was like no, like. Janet has always made R&B. I think, like, besides them first two, you know, albums that we don't like to talk about, we started Control. Um, But, like, when you really listen to Rhythm Nation, she was just making music that became really popular, but she was an R&B artist. Like, Miss You Much. Miss You um, Much. Oh, my God. Like, Come Back to Me. Come on. (laughs) And she has a really good song on there called Lonely. Yeah, that is that joint could drop today. <laughs> yeah, like, that, and thirty years old, like absolutely. Yeah. But I really just to pay all right. Like, come on, like, yeah. and she was giving you videos, like, yes. Oh, I I know. I've seen every one of them several okay. times. Okay, <laughs> Jan, but like Janet, for real though, she she shifted music a lot. In the way that another, I think with Rhythm Nation, she shifted the industry a lot like um, another artist that that we'll get into later. But um, because she, after that album, she had the highest paid contract in the industry. She forced Michael to go back and renegotiate his stuff. I think she (laughs) made Michael become more socially conscious and vocal in his albums because... You know what I'm saying? You started seeing some of that toward the late 80s, but I really think that Janet, like, told him, like, no, like, you can ramp it up. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's very much so like Solange Beyonce, where I think, like, they yes. feed each other. They fed off each other. That's so, a great transition. That's a great transition. <laughs> um, so we will be talking about, I guess, the the Michael of the Noel sisters, um, if we're going with that analogy. Um, so B, Beyonce. Yes, God. So let's talk about B-Day for a little bit. Um, because for me, B-Day, and a lot of people will say, well, honestly, a lot of people will say that it's four, and a lot of people will say that it's I am Sasha Fierce. But <clears throat> B-Day for me, solidified Beyonce as an artist with staying power, with star power, and with the ability to do everything that she has done since. Absolutely. So, um, you know, with B-Day, and when I say all the time, I feel like I said this on the show before, you know, B-Day was Lemonade before Lemonade in the (laughs) sense that, you know, if you were really paying attention, you knew that Jay-Z was fucking up a long time before 2016 got here. And, you know, it's like beyond that, you have this woman, you have Beyonce giving you, you know, what she called a video anthology. 
So it's like, I'm going to give you this entire album, but wait, I'm also going to give you a music video for every single one of these tracks. So guess what? My album is an album full of singles. Like every single track on this album is a single and you're just going to have to deal with it. And you're going to like all of them because like... All, all 10, 11, 12. Right. Like, <laughs> exactly. And that was the other thing. So it's like, it's not that, well, you know, she has like the deluxe with like Beautiful Liar and all that stuff afterward. Uh-huh. But if you look at, you know, B-Day, it's like 10, 11 tracks. It's not long. It's not. And it's the perfect length because it takes like, it's everything. And every <laughs> single track goes. Like, are you kidding me? Like, yes. I just, I, I think... Um, you know, it's really, really hard to pick a favorite where Beyonce is concerned. Oh, I know. But B-Day is genuinely up there for me. Um, because it also goes back to like the nostalgia and like where I was at the time. So I <laughs> I was, I don't know where you were. <laughs> I was going into high school. If not freshly minted into high school when that uh-huh. y'all can drag me later. <laughs> I'm joking. But um, you know, I just remember because it was also around the time that like Dream Girls came out. Like in my mind, I always group Dream Girls and B-Day. Like, and mm-hmm. well, listen is on the album, but it's just like and she and she says that she was inspired a lot of the tracks were inspired by Dream Girls and Dina's story, sure, whatever. Right. But, <laughs> but you know, like that that era of B is it's it's an era that sticks with me, if that Absolutely. makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like that that era of B is is like is one that I feel like people are gonna go back to as like a seminal era for her. Oh absolutely. Um, so it's like, what can you not talk about? You know, it's like you have the alarm, you have freedom dress, you have green light, you have airplane, like every yeah. single track, like oh upgrade, like, like kitty cat, kitty cat. Like, it's just, I mean, what, what is there to do? And, and another thing that I attach with this album is also the Beyonce experience, which in my mind is like one of her best shows. Like I love, like I will watch that. Any day, you know what I'm saying? Um, oh my gosh, you got me waxing so nostalgic, yes, right? Oh right, because also what she does with that show, and it's like what she used, like, she I feel like the Beyonce experience was her most theatrical, like, the other things are like uh-huh. really heavy on like production, choreo, and stuff, but like, she was. She was giving it up. Like she was yeah. and it was her most extra. Like Beyonce was extra as fuck. Like oh, that that whole show was very, very extra. But it's it like was. you had like inspiration from like Pink Panther and like Cell Block Tango um from Chicago and like all of these things that like bring Flight of the Bumblebee. Like and she had this all woman like jazz band. Like Yeah. Um Yeah. That's 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 all I'm gonna say on that. I think with the like with the the Beyonce experience just amplified B Day for me, um, and made it so that it really stands out. So. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so my quick my quick thoughts on this. Yeah. So, 
you were going into ninth grade. I was going to freshman year of college. When, yeah. So, actually, the first when they debuted Deja Vu on the radio, I was driving to graduation practice. Oh like, wow! And I remember getting there and being like, "Oh my God, y'all! They just played Beyonce this song." <laughs> <laughs> and baby, we was all going out. Oh my God! Yeah. It just—I remember just that anticipation over that summer because. At some point, we need to revisit the year 2006 because that was a really good year for music. Yes. Like, um, but I remember, um, like, the anticipation building because, okay, Deja Vu came out in June, and then you had that fucking BET Awards performance, which is still one of her best live performances. Period. End of discussion. The way Mama yeah. got down that stage and rolled around, and <laughs> just everything about it was everything. Um, and she was still so Houston. I I'm know. Ready, let's go get him. Like, <laughs> and the timing because this is a summer album. Like, yeah, she dropped it at just the right time. You had the entire the entire summer. Like, well, you know, she didn't release the album until her birthday. Well, right. That, well, that's what wait. I'm. But like, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's yeah. like you have, you have all of this build up and anticipation Absolutely. over the summer to wait until she drops the album, and then she drops the album, and you have all of like you just sit in it. You know what I'm saying? It's like because September 4th is still summer technically. You know what I'm saying? So it's like she closes out. She closes out the summer with, I don't know. Her mind. It I just was, yeah, it was a crazy time. When you think about um, Beyonce releasing um, B Day, followed by Justin Timberlake releasing Future Sex Love Sounds. Yeah. In the mix somewhere. Yeah. You, can, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, yeah. it was album after album. But Beyonce with B Day, she, I agree with you, she solidified her spot because everybody knows about the sophomore curse. Um, yeah. And in the meantime, she's done another album with Destiny's Child. So it's kind of right. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. okay, where, what's she going to come with? And I really think that Beyonce, I don't know if she gets credited with it enough, but this is also why I feel as though no matter who you think sings better or who has the better written songs, this is why Beyonce will always deserve an album of the year Grammy over Adele for me. Yeah. And I know Adele agrees with me, so she don't mind me saying it. <laughs> Beyonce has masterfully recreated her sound within her lane for every project. Right. No two Beyonce albums sound the same. Right. And I can And never... no album doesn't sound like Beyonce. Exactly. So how does that work? Exactly. <laughs> Figure it's that just... one out. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, so that is, I just, man, but that album, and um, quite incidentally, the Beyonce experience was my first time seeing her live. Love it. Oh, Love man. It. Well, shoot. Uh, okay. I'm going to jump to this album next just to um, kind of sustain the, the theme. So we went from talking about the Michael of the two, um, and now I guess we could talk about the Janet of the two. Yeah. Um, so my next album is A Seat at the Table by Solange. Um, 
And and just trying to like figure out what I wanted to say about this album, I was like, okay, I gotta like I gotta write something down to see if I can capture my my thoughts. But I just feel like this album is like equally equal parts cryptic and revealing. Um it's just wow. it's uh I mean because it's like even when I read the lyrics of some of the songs, it's like I don't exactly know what she's talking about, but I know that something within me connects to it. Yeah. Um, but then there's also a lot of songs on that album that are very like tangible, concrete concepts. Like I get it. Don't touch my hair. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you know. What I mean? Got it. You know what I'm saying? Even Prince in the Sky to a degree. You know what I mean? So um, I just think like this is one of those albums that can be labeled an instant classic. And I just, I I think that what Solange was able to do with this project, and she had laid the foundation a few years before, but I think that she, at the end of a very long and publicly violent uh, like for Black People Summer, like 2016 was when we had Philando Castile, and um, did Eric Garner? Did it happen then or the year before? Somebody, before. it was something else that happened summer 16 because I remember Philando Castile, and it was like around that time something else had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're at this point. We got this jackass running for president, and we all know we got to say goodbye to Obama. Like this album came at a perfect like time um period um to just really kind of like give black people something to like delve into and to just really like it's a mood it's it's good music and, and it really helped to solidify a moment and for me personally this album um I remember I was driving home I think for my nephew's birthday party and I had the song that I had the album playing and I literally had to get my phone out and just start typing like poems. Like yeah, it man. just really like sparked something creatively um, in me. And I think that's just because of like the music is so real. Like there's so there's so much about that project that I could say, but um a seat at the table for sure is yeah, yeah. I'm super thankful for that project. Yeah, I'm I am excited for 2026 because you were talking about 20 2006 or 06, 2016 also musically because we also got Lemonade that year and we got Anti, anti. and we got like a bunch of other shit in 2016 as well. Um, So we'll see what happens. I'm here for it. But, okay, so my next... Maybe I'll do this one because you just said something about Justin. So (laughs) um, my next album is 2020 Experience. Nice. Yeah. So this is why... And I, I don't know, it may be my favorite Justin Timberlake album. It would make sense for it to be because it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more than that, so what 2020 Experience did for me, 2013 um, is when it was released. Mm-hmm. That was right after 
a really, really rough 2012. Mm. So 2012, I lost an uncle. I like lost a relationship. Like it was really, really rough. And I remember the next year going into my senior year of college, like I just was not having it. Like I would go to class and go home. And like, I just was not here for any of it. Like I wasn't doing it. No, it was my junior year, matter of fact. And so I remember listening to this album. Like I remember it coming out and I remember playing this album and it just like snapped me out of it. Like something just woke up, you know what I'm saying? Like I listened to this album and I, I feel like I said at the time that it made me fall in love with music again because like I was I also just wasn't listening to music which is not something that I would you know what I'm saying like it's not a me thing and so I remember listening to this album and I was just like something just was like get up you know what I'm saying <laughs> like you're good now um, and that is always the like connection that I have with it and beyond that like just stylistically the sound like because this was a later like as far as careers if we're assuming that Justin Timberlake's music career is over which um this was like a later in life Justin Timberlake album you know um so it was you know like because you have yeah. Justified and you have Sex Love Sounds. And, you, and that's the other thing about Justin Timberlake, because he hasn't put out that much music on his own. Right. So with this, it felt fresh and it felt new. And it felt like what he was able to do and work with it was just like, mm-hmm. it was so good. And that's what, that's what helped, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I was hearing things I had never heard before. And like the music was just so so different and special and you know, I just remember that feeling. Um, it was great. It was, it was, it was great. So that is why I'm thankful for that album. I love it, yeah. man. You know, Justin, with that project, that was like one of those instances too, where I was sitting there thinking, "Damn, when is Justin Timberlake gonna finally put out another album?" Because he went on almost a seven year stretch without releasing the album. Right. And we had no idea when another one was coming. Like, right. <laughs> so it was like literally maybe a day or two after like thinking that you see, um, I think they released like a snippet of suit and tie or like he released like a countdown and yeah, man, what a time, what a time. Right. Yeah, I remember going to buy that CD physically. Um, yeah. My God. Um, so for my next album, um, I'm going to do it. Your your story kind of sparked me to, to pick between um, two albums that I was choose, that I was trying to yeah. figure out. But um, I'm going to go with Sold Out by Janae Aiko. Okay. Um, sold out was so this is after like three years of me listening to like mixtapes and you know EPs like she finally releases an album and sold out I think is because it came on uh, 2014 mm-hmm. and in 2014 I was in DC I was 
in a very rough space um, just all around. And that album, because of the way she writes songs and because of the um, the topics she chose uh, to discuss um, everything from losing her brother to, you know, failed relationships, um, it just, it was just like, wow, like, I... I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. And she gave songs on there for me to, um, to not wallow in, but to process in. Yes. Um, yeah. It was just like, I remember just listening to that album just every day. Like, I had to listen to it because it was like one of the things that was like keeping me like, when you hear a song like um, Ways, uh, which is an acronym for Why Aren't You Smiling? Like, you mm-hmm. hear a song like that, and it's like, damn, this is a sad song. But ultimately, it's an uplifting song. So, bitch, be sad, but but pick yourself up. Like, get yeah. up eventually. Um, and so, between that um, and just a lot of the... I, I think it's just a very... This is a very good album. It's very well written. And as someone that enjoys writing, writing songs, writing poetry, um, and being a fellow Pisces, <laughs> like, I just think that like there's a, and there's been an instant connection to her music, um, and to the feel of it and the sound of it since I first heard um, Sailing Souls back in yeah. 2011. So. Um, that is definitely an album I'm thankful for. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so I will, I will finish mine. Okay. With songs in the key of life. Oh jeez. One day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So taking it back a little bit. Um. So songs in the key of life is a Stevie Wonder album. For those that do not know. Um. And it's released in 76. Um, so way before I was even thought of. <laughs> <laughs> and way before my parents were even thinking about thinking about me. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> um, right. But this is another album. I guess I just kind of, you know, bookended these albums with like albums that I would listen to with my mom while in the car um, because she really likes Stevie as well. And. You know, it's just so interesting how even as a child, you can attach to such um, such like weighty content in a way that like even if you don't understand it fully at that time, there's an understanding that sticks with you so that when you become of age to understand, um, it's that much more meaningful, you know? So if you think about like love's in need of love today, you know, or like village ghetto land or like any of the, I mean, like you could, you could, you could go through the entire album and what you would have is this real, this very real musical, musically, you know, like genius um, journey and experience of like what Stevie was experiencing during this time, you know, like, and there's love and there's um, politics and there's, 
you know, spiritual, religious, like there's so much of that. I mean, knocks me off my feet, like oh. summer assault. Like I can't like pastime paradise. Like pastime paradise. I, I you know, to, like like <laughs> there's so much. There's so much joy inside my tears. There's so 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 much that you can talk about with this album. Um, and and I think the reason why I'm so thankful for it is because. I think this was one of my first introductions to like real music. If you you know what I'm saying? Like this was this was one of my first introductions to like what music can sound like when you have instruments, when you have horns, when you have piano, when you have harmonica, when you have like amazing vocals, you know, and then beyond that, the thing that always amazed me so much about Stevie was that he was blind. Like I think that to be able to see so much both musically and um, as far as like life experiences through the eyes of someone who has not seen what most of us have seen, you know, with our physical eyes. For sure. Um, it's powerful, you know, it's, it's really powerful. And I think looking back on it, it was important for me. I don't think I would be the music lover that I am now. If it were if it were if it weren't for albums like Songs in the Key Life by Stevie Wonder. I mean, you you already know how I feel about Stevie. He is one of my favorite artists of all times. And I think that that is that is a quintessential album. That is an album that any artist worth their weight in in the game that is an album that any artist across genres would wish that they could come up with right. you know what i mean yeah. um to think that because i'm pretty sure that originally that album was supposed to be his last wow really yeah i'm pretty sure that um he was like planning on retiring after that album or after the album that proceed no i think it was songs in the kid life and that's why it ended up being a double album um but yeah, there's there's some some um, stories out there around that. Um, but just yeah, just an amazing album. I think yeah. that you, I, I'm thankful for you being thankful. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of um, you know, again, like just albums that we consider to be like that. Um, the last album that. I'm going to tell you all on the show that I'm thankful for um, is the one and only The Emancipation of Mimi Mm -hmm. by Aya Carey. So, like, somewhere around 2000, 2001, we got Mariah The Carey fucked up. Like, glitter stuff. Like, one, I don't even think that glitter is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Actually, a pretty decent movie. It's right. like two for a little, you know what I'm saying, TV feature. It's a Netflix, it was a Netflix film before yeah. Netflix. Right. Um, you know what I'm saying? So I th- I thought it was a decent movie. And the soundtrack to it was amazing. Okay. Yeah. So now, you know, of course, around that same time, like Mariah which we would learn like 17, 18 years later was probably like the onset of her. Um, I think she's bipolar. Bipolar, yeah. So like, um, so like it's it's interesting now to be able to place that time period for her into context. Right. Um, 
But to think about how she was able to kind of pick herself up from the personal um, issues, from the public humiliation of being axed out of your contract, them paying you out of your contract, when you're Mariah fucking Carey, and you had a number one song every year of the fucking, uh, for a whole decade, and your multi, multi, stupid platinum and diamond, <laughs> and because like you have one project that doesn't meet the mark when you're also going through this intensely personal time. I don't know. I just think like her ability to be resilient through that and to fight back from that, um, which she started doing with the Charm Bracelet album, which I think is overlooked. But when you get to the emancipation, it. There are times when album titles and the music that um, uh, that comprises the album, when they align, and it's like, this is amazing. I'm yeah. glad that you did. Like, you knew what you were doing from start to finish. And that's what you feel when you hear that album. Like, from the beginning, I think this project provides music for any occasion. Um, yeah. Like, you could go from, you know, fuck him, I'm going out with my girls, it's like that, to right. I love you so damn much, we belong together, get your shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, and Lord... We I didn't even get into the album cuts because you right. got like circles and yes. your girl and uh, like so many so many good songs on that project. Um, and the thing about it, she works with a range of producers. You have a range of features on the album, but it never feels disjointed. It never feels jarring. Um, but it does feel complete. It does feel like a return to form. Um, and, and I really just considered it to be Mariah in her prime. And it is just one of the best damn albums um, ever. Um, and I would like to end it with um, Fly Like a Bird. I just. Yeah. <laughs> right. Girl, go ahead. Get off, get off, <laughs> get off my speakers. And that album for me, too, just whenever I was trying to write in undergrad, um, because between being an English minor and being a PR major, I had to write a lot. And there were only two albums that I could put on and still be productive with, and that was The Emancipation of Mimi and Growing Pains by Mary J. Blige. Yeah. Those are the only two albums that I could sit there and write through. Um, So it brings me back to being an undergrad. Um, Wow. Well, in the same way that you are thankful for me being thankful, like all literally every single one of your albums, I was just like, yes, yes, yes. Um, So that's great. I mean, that makes me feel good about, you know, our musical taste. Okay, Um, right. It (laughs) makes Maybe we should like do a show together about music because maybe music. I don't know. Right. I mean, who? <laughs> it might be a good idea. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll, okay. uh, my people call people. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So to kind of wrap up and move on to the run that back. Um, well, like Brandon said, you know, just look out for our full list. Like this is really only half of what we have to offer. So check out the other half on all of our social media when that drops. But um, 
getting into the run that back, I can kick that off if you want to. Me For sure. Yes, yes, yes. So there is this song. Um, have you heard the song Litmus by uh, Dram? No. Is, yeah. is it a Christmas song? It is. Okay. So Graham has a, a Christmas song called Litmus. Um, <laughs> and it's and you know, it's like it's Graham. So it's like you know it's gonna sound good. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's a good song and I enjoy it. And I think now that I'm getting around the time like I'm getting out of LA for the holidays and like I'm like even though like I have to force myself because the weather sometimes won't allow me, I have to force myself into these like holiday spirit moments. Yeah. Um and it's a good it's a good song. I already I mean I made a playlist last year that I feel like I share with you. If not, I will of like um some like Christmas songs kind of more contemporary that I really appreciate. But this is a contender for being on that list. Mm. Um I like that theme for a playlist. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. But what what do you have for run that back? <laughs> um so one of my favorite artists um, that thankfully my line brother Manny, shout out to Manny, introduced mm-hmm. me to years back, um, named Alan Stone. Um, and if you haven't heard of him, you should go check him out. Um, he just released um, his newest album called Building Balance. Okay. And he won the title track, well, not the title track. The first song on the album is um, Brown Eyed Lover, which has been out for like over a year now. Um, But that's just a dope-ass song, so go listen to that if you haven't heard it already. But the song I really have been running back is a song called Sweaters Mm. off the album. And the whole premise is like his significant other like has decided that she wants out of the relationship. And at this point, she come back to get all her stuff, and he's just like, "I'm not gonna try to change your mind, but can you just leave me that one sweater?" Mm-hmm. And it's wow. his wow. when you hear it, the way he uses his voice on that song, the way that the beat is, you'll get why it's a favorite. Yeah. So sweaters wow. by Alan Stone and check out Building Balance. Okay. Cool. 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 Well, um, it's about that time. Yes, indeed. We um, are hoping that everyone, you know, once you all hear this, it will be around, you know, Thanksgiving time. We're hoping everyone has a great holiday, that you eat a lot of good food, that you're safe traveling um, and doing all of that good stuff. Um, But yeah, if you want to be featured on the next episode of On That Note Podcast. If you want to send us a question, if you have a list, you know, of your top 10 albums that you're thankful for, you can send them to our social media or you can send us an email at writeusanote at gmail.com and then our social media, which is at OTN underscore podcast on IG and at OTN podcast, all one word, on Facebook. Check us out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is good. Any final thoughts? Hey, I'm thankful for you. <laughs> just just want to say that. Uh, I'm thankful for you too, Brandon. Oh, okay. I really, really am. In the feels. In the I feels. I really, really am. <laughs> um, 
And we're thankful for you all too. Oh goodness gracious, we definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> but until next time, we will catch you all later. Yes, indeed. Peace. Bye. <laughs>